Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We have a surprise for you. We have figured out a new way to get you the slide. So this is a video version of our most recent episode in our series on waters in the wilderness, the water cycle in Psalm 104. We hope you're enjoying this series and we can't wait to get you the next episode. God bless you for all your faithfulness in listening to these messages. We pray they're having an impact on you. Let us know how we're doing. One additional point we wanted to make about this episode is the use of cucumbers is multifaceted. But the main reason for the use of cucumbers in this episode is that cucumbers are a vegetable like lettuce and watermelon that primarily are made up of water. And it's one way that our body gets the life it needs, even in the food it eats, is the water has produced these things. Normally fruit has fruit juice and we get the juice from the fruit that also has the water of life. It all represents that everything comes from God. We are in Psalm 104 today. Psalm 104. We've been here before, but I want to go back again. What's the amazing thing about the scriptures is every time you go back, they can speak again to you. And in the context of this series, we were dealing with on Wednesday night, we've been dealing with this idea of the wilderness from Genesis chapter two is a world without water. And in Wednesday night, we dealt with no water in the wilderness. And we're tying that to our present context here right now that we see in our world, it seems like there's a lack. And so in the things of God, in the things of America. And so let's begin with verse one in Psalm 104. Can't do the entire Psalm this morning, but we're going to start off and get an idea here and then kind of wrap things up at the end to show you what's going on. And it begins in Psalm chapter 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Now, our previous series was on clothing and how God is clothed with honor and majesty and how in the beginning, Adam and Eve appeared to have been clothed. And the idea, the th ancient thinking, at least behind that whole paradigm is that they had crowns and from those crowns shined the glory of God that kind of draped them in this light and radiance. And if you recall Jesus's transfiguration when his garments lit up, that kind of same thing is kind of in view there. That based on the psalm and we, we went through Psalm 8, the idea that they had that, but when 
the rebellion came with Satan, then they cast that crown down and they lost that light. The king became naked. They became naked. They realized they lost their glory. And they're no longer clothed with power. Okay? So that's what we're talking about here from our previous series, starting to tie those threads into what we're into now. So if you need to, you can go back and check those out. They're online. And you can start to make these connections now. Now that you have had your eyes opened, as I have, to how they understood the reading. Uh, this morning before we started, had a little question and response time with Sherlyn over a verse in Matthew. And so it's what we read we don't quite understand. And we're wondering why what we read doesn't seem to make sense. And the best way is then try to understand it in the original sense. And so I'm trying to bring that about to you. And we're going to do that with water here. Verse 2. Who covers thyself with light as with garment, who stretched out the heavens like a curtain. So here again, we have God, and this is a revelation of God's word. This is a psalm. This is a prayer. This is what they sing. Now, I know that we love these hymns. Some of the modern songs we like too, maybe. Maybe you like the modern songs, maybe you don't. But they don't carry the same theological weight as these old hymns. Some of the modern songs are really simple sometimes, sometimes too simple. Sometimes these old hymns are so majestic because they're just so much theology in them. And the way that they phrase things is so wonderful. And it's almost like we would almost need to take it either verse by verse or phrase by phrase just to stop and think about what all is being said in these songs because they're so rich. Well, here are the original songbook from the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, and this is what they're singing. And of course, as I said, he covers himself with light as a garment. So, you know, God is covered in light in him. He's the light of the world, but he's light. When God shows up, it's light that precedes him. Who stretches out the heavens like, like a curtain. How do you explain heaven? How does God explain God to us in our feeble little minds? We're always struggling to understand God, to understand God's word, to understand this world that's crazy. And it's hard to explain God to us. As Paul said, we only know in part now. But when we see him face to face, then we are going to understand things on a whole entirely different level. Right now, we just have to walk by faith, not by sight. Because we can't see properly. We cannot see properly. This world, this side of glory does not reflect the kingdom as God intended. It did at one time in Eden, but it no longer does because of the darkness. So stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He's talking about the tabernacle. He's talking about the temple. And we went through that sacred space series. If you need to go back, the sacred space series, when you walk in from the outside and you come into the holy place, the first place you encounter was that altar and the animals and even the sea. It's kind of like earth. And the first thing you encounter is that. And then the, the Altar has the animal and then the smoke goes up, but the smoke also goes like it's going into inside the tent or inside the temple to what we call the holy place. And inside there is where the planets are, the stars with the seven lights of the menorah. That's like the seven planets, the seven stars that they could see. 
represented in there. And you have that veil, that curtain that's got stars and it's got the angels and seraphim and cherubim on it. It's got all those beings kind of representing. And behind that curtain is the most holy place or the holy of holies. And that's God. That's the third heaven. Therefore, outside the tent or outside the temple where they did the sacrifices on all those things I showed you, all those uh, videos I showed you, the, the slides, you could see outside is, is here. And you look and see the skies. And then the holy place is like the second heaven. The first heaven is the skies that we see where the birds are. And that's the first place. The second place is the holy place. That's the planet. That's outer space. And of course, we got these new telescopes. And wow, what all we see is so vast. That holy place. With all these new telescopes and things. It's amazing. They even you Now you can connect your your uh, smartphone to equipment and really do some crazy stuff with outer space. You know, my grandmother was always amazed, your mom, my grandmother was always amazed about us going up with, going to the moon and the rockets and going in space. And of course, she was highly disturbed about the, when the shuttle blew up. That was very disturbing for her. She's like, do do we really need, do we need to be up there? You know, do we need to be up there? You know, it's very disturbing because that's going into the unknown. And do we belong up there? I mean, it wasn't designed for us. And then what do we have? That curtain, that veil to the third heaven, the throne room of God. And when you open inside that, we know that the presence of God is there. We know that the seraphim are there. It's just like Isaiah 6. And so you have this curtain. The heavens are like a curtain, like a veil. That's how they're expressing themselves. Verse 3, Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh his clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. We talked about this in the past. But what we're talking about is up there, there's water up there. Why? To them, there's water up there because it rains. It comes down. So if there's water coming down, they don't know science. They don't know the water cycle that we know. They think that there must be water up there and that there's windows up there that open and the water up there comes down and that's where life comes from. We talked a little bit about this in our previous series about water represented. The ancient Jews, to the rabbis, they thought of water as power, as life as power. Now, we have science today. We understand the air. How long can you hold your breath? <laughs> Not very long. Not very long. And if you go underwater and hold your breath, you can drown and die. And people try. Kids try. <laughs> or though they say there's a lot less... Uh, public swimming pools today but kids try to go down and under the water and hold their breath and then they got to come up because if you hold your breath now you're just going to pass out and you start breathing get on your own but if you're underwater but that's you need oxygen the same time we know that water is made up of h2o it's made up of oxygen and we have to have water to drink and we have to receive and the trees give out oxygen in the air, and we breathe that, but the water also has oxygen in it. But they didn't understand that. But there's a connection between the water that comes down, whether it comes down to us directly in rain, or whether it comes down as snow on the mountains that melts and comes down in the rivers. They saw life coming from heaven in the water as the power of God. Therefore, a lack of water is a lack of power from God. 
And obviously no one in the ancient world would think that if there's no water that it had anything to do with the gods. Because the gods are all powerful. And obviously our God, it's not him. If there's no rain. It would always be, he must be angry with us. Or he must, something has happened with us and we have not pleased him. And so there's a problem with us and we need to get that right. And that's when we talk about revival. We're talking about reviving life. That there's an absence of something. And so this idea that we went through Isaiah last Sunday night. and The water in the wilderness. How God in the midst of drought and famine is the power source. Is the life. How he brings that water. And so it all comes. And the clouds are the chariots. That's how the gods got around. That's what Jesus when he was asked by the high priest, who are you? I'm the guy that rides the clouds from Daniel 7. We talked about that. Again, go back in all these series we've done. Go back and now you can see what they're talking about here in the psalm. We read the psalm every Sunday morning together. But do we know what we're reading? Do we know what the scripture is teaching us? So he makes his cloud his chariot. He rides the clouds. He steps down from the third heaven, his throne, into the second heaven, riding all the way down into our clouds, which is the first heaven. He walks upon the wings of the wind. So the wind carried about. They saw the wind as the power of God, the presence of God. And you need that wind when it's, the humidity is up. <laughs> it's terrible to have a hot wind, but when the humidity is down and it's hot and that wind comes, it cools you off. And it reminds you of the presence of God and Jesus' conversations at night with Nicodemus. Verse 5, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. So you have up there, there's a foundation that's holding up. They looked at it as a foundation that held up the kingdom of God. The heavens are held on that foundation up there. That water comes down through that foundation, the firmament, to us. But then there's the foundation of the earth. There's water also underneath the seas. There's water under. And you can dig in the ground and water comes up out of the ground. There's foundations of the earth. So you can get water from below by digging a well. That should not be removed forever. That's kind of interesting. Heaven and earth will pass away. Earth is forever. Think about that. Thou coverest with the deep as with a garment. Again, there's this garment language. And the deep is covered. The waters stood above the mountains. Again, they believed and waters were above somehow because they come down and the water, the power, the life from heaven comes down to the mountains and then the mountains receive it because that's where earth and heaven meet. They touch at the mountain, the highest points and where the snow melts in Hermon and then it comes down the tributaries and becomes the Jordan River, becomes the Sea of Galilee, becomes even the Dead Sea which has no outlet. We discussed all that. But it's the life coming down, the water cycle as they understand it. Not as we understand it through evaporation and the clouds, but as they understood it. This is written to them, but it's also for us. At thy rebuke they fled. When Moses was commanded by God to speak, what happened? The waters parted and they walked on dry ground. Then what happened? When Moses commanded and God spoke, it closed on Pharaoh. Again, when Joshua comes in and the ark and the priests get ready to walk into the promised land, before their feet could touch the ground, the waters at that rebuke 
moved out of the way by the presence of God. God controls. It's the power. It's the power of God. Jesus can walk on the water and invited Peter to do the same. That whole series was, and some people got confused about that. Well, why are you talking about what Jesus did? You missed it. I talked about what Jesus did, and then I told you that Peter did the same thing. <laughs> you missed it if you didn't get that. Whole series of walking on the water. About who Jesus is, but then the final thing was for you to receive in that whole series was that Peter was able to then have the same power operating in him by the Holy Ghost. Remember he said, Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Remember the crown that Adam lost, God is giving in Psalm 8 back to us. Remember the whole Daniel 7 thing that we talked about where Jesus said, I'm the one that rides the clouds and the ancient of days, God the Father gives the kingdom to Jesus, the Son of God, who then gives it to who? The church, us, in the keys that he gave to Peter. The keys. That I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions. That serpent is also talking about not only just the snake of garden in the garden, but the snake that's from below, an ancient creature that was like the Loch Ness monster that they believed was in the waters. That you have power over the waters, that you can walk on water, that you've been given power. Put all these pieces together. Now, how do you read Psalm 104? You can read it like I do, because you're reading it like they did. That's all I'm doing. I'm learning how they understood these things. I'm teaching you these things that I have learned. So that when I read these things, they mean something entirely different. People do get tired when they read the Bible. Because they don't know what the words mean. They have no idea. For most people, Leviticus is the worst thing ever written. Because you don't know what it means. It's one of the most exciting things God has ever said. If you understand all those things, what he is saying to them, to them. Your grandkids. Have you ever just sat and listened to your grandkids talk to their friends? You have no idea what they're talking about, do you? What on earth are they saying? Same thing as reading Leviticus. What on earth are they saying? It's English, but still we don't understand. They text things like, what is that? You can't even read it. You can't understand it. They're using English words. They're using English letters, but we can't understand them. Same thing with Leviticus. Here's a key point that we're going to get into when we do the next message here for Sunday morning. At the voice of thy thunder, they haste away. God's voice, it thunders, thunder and lightning. You see the lightning and then you hear the thunder. Matter of fact, how close is the lightning? How close is the lightning? You see it and you begin to count, right? 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, then thunder. That means it's three miles away. That's what I was told. I don't know. That's an approximation. Gives you kind of an idea. But if you see and hear it, hello, it's right on your head. (laughs) It's right there. If it's flash bang immediately, that means it's right there. The sound doesn't take time to travel. Remember the speed of light and the speed of sound. If you see and hear, it's right on top of you. 
Remember that in the storm when it's lightning and then you can count 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Okay, it's three miles away. I'm okay. I'm okay. All right. The voice of thy thunder, they haste away. The light, the sound of God's voice, that when he comes, because he's right in the clouds, they would see a storm as spiritual warfare. That the gods were fighting each other. That one chariot and another chariot on the clouds is gods riding each other and they're casting lightning bolts at each other. Where do you think they get Zeus and Thor, the god of thunder? Where do you think they get all that stuff from? Spiritual warfare. The gods are fighting each other. In war, oftentimes in battles, you have this battle and there's this huge storm and they would see that as the gods are up there fighting. And it's up to whatever the gods decide. And that's what was going on in 2 Kings chapter 3 that we did Wednesday night. The gods are battling. And then the final thing that we got to the last verse, what happened? They gave up because that man was more devoted to his God than we are devoted to ours. Figuring that the spiritual warfare, we would not win because, not because our God is not greater, but because our God's not going to respond as well to us because we're like, amen. So when we read God's word and we fall asleep and we wonder why it doesn't do anything in our lives, there's no power, it's because we're experiencing the powerlessness of God. Not because God is not doing, not because God is not more powerful than that other God, it's because our hearts do not allow for God to participate in our moment. That's what faith is all about. That's what understanding faith truly is. Understanding faith that we must believe in God. And it's our belief in God that somehow activates our participation with him. That he asks us to pray, but our prayers don't do it. It's the fact that we believe that allows us to be a part of what God's doing. And we get along with God instead of working against God. And that's the key here. Let's move on. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys upon which the place thou hast founded for them. The power of God flows from the tops of the mountains down into the valleys. And that's where you get the water. Otherwise, it's like 2 Kings 3. It's like Isaiah where God manifests water in the midst of nothing. But it all ultimately comes from God. Thou set a bound that they may not pass over, that they may not turn again to cover the earth. He has stopped it. He said at the end of the flood with Noah, I'm putting this rainbow to represent like a dam, a spiritual dam that is going to block the waters of heaven from coming down and covering the entire earth and flooding again. Why? Because I am in charge of the tap. I'm in charge of the power. And I will never again flood the entire earth in that way. Not with water. Verse 10. He sends the springs into the valleys which runs along the hills. It all comes from God. Where does this water in the wilderness come from? It comes from God. Where does water come from? God. He turns a tap on. He turns it off. Depending on us. I told you Teresa's having trouble with school. Alicia says, what to do? I said, it's time to punish. You shut something off. Turn the tap off. That's how you do it. What happens when the tap is off? 
It's because we have turned to other gods. We have our hearts. We've lost our first love and we've turned to something else. And then we're using what God gives us. God gives us money. What do we do with our money? If we give it to all these other gods, to all these other things, and we don't give to God, he'll shut the tap off. We did that in Hosea. Hosea's wife, Gomer, was taking everything that Hosea was giving her and she was giving it to all of her other lovers. She was not a prostitute in the normal sense of receiving payment for her deeds done at night. Although she might have been doing it during the day. But she was actually paying them. She was paying them. That's how bad it was. And it was a reflection of what God said in Hosea about what the people were doing. The people were doing. And if we do the same thing, then God shuts the tap off. Because he said in Hosea, I want to take you out in the wilderness, shut everything off, get you naked. Not in the sense I want to do something indecent with you, but I want to strip you of everything and get down to you can return to your first love and remember what it was like when you were first born again. As Nicodemus and Jesus talk in John 3. Proverbs 21 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water he turneth whatsoever he will. The king was supposed to be the president of the United States, the prime minister of Nepal, is supposed to be controlled by God. Therefore, as they lead the nations, they're supposed to control. That we are supposed to respond to those like Vladimir Putin because God helps us to respond to the injustices of Russia upon the Ukrainian people. Then God turns us toward adjusting to that. When there was an earthquake in 2015 in Nepal, the entire world, mainly Christians, all around the world came to the assistance of the Nepal people. Came and helped them rebuild their lives after the earthquake. That's the power of God moving through us, that God blesses us. And then that's what we respond in kind. That's what we do, Missionary Letter Night. We hear of the needs around the world. God blesses us. We take from our blessing and we take and give to those needs. The power of God flows through us and it flows down river to someone else. But you know, they always talk about, please don't pee in the pool, right? <laughs> well, don't pee in the river either, because it's going down river. Therefore, we talked about the seed. Do we want to pollute the seed, the people that aren't here, or our children that aren't here, and our grandchildren aren't here? Have we, down river, have we corrupted them by not allowing the power of God to flow down to them, but instead other desires have we peed in the river and now the people down river are drinking our pee. We polluted the waters and we got to, revival is about cleansing the waters because God's supposed to be controlling us and just as they moved the Mississippi River and created New Orleans, that's the government, God is supposed to be able to move us to be a channel to his power. Remember Genesis 2 is all about God can't send the water until he has Adam to irrigate and cultivate, control where the water goes and then be fruitful and multiply and create many gardens. Some of you have gardens to create gardens just like Eden. In other words, to take a piece of land and disciple it, 
cultivate it. And out of that, weeds and wilderness create life. So the tomatoes and watermelons and potatoes and whatever grows. Cucumbers. So that people can eat and taste and see the goodness of God. That the water from God is channeled through the water into the ground, produces the watermelon or the cucumber that a hungry person eats of that water and they live. And they live. That's the idea here. Fruit of God's spirit. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. All of that is because of this water that comes down. We review what we said in John 7, 37 through 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I am the water. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of the believer is the life of God to flow in the spirit. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that come on him should receive. For the Spirit is the Holy Ghost, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus came for what purpose? Jesus came for the purpose of Pentecost. So the Holy Ghost could be in us and then out of us that Holy Ghost gives life to the dead. Jesus said, tag your it. Jesus walked in the water. That was not the point. The point was, Peter walked on the water. And I'm asking you, are you walking on the water? That's the point here. Verse 12, as we continue Psalm 104. By them shall the fowls of heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. The trees spring up now, and the birds of the air have a place to call their home. You know, birds don't have nests for anything but their eggs. Birds sleep in the trees. The nests are not where birds, that's not their bed. That's where they keep their eggs. They sleep in the trees. But they will find no rest if there's no water because there's no trees. Now, hidest thy face, skipping down verse 29 as we close this out because the time is up. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and they return to the dust. In Genesis 2, 7, God took the earth breathe his breath, his spirit into that mud, into that earth, and that earth became earthling. Now, if God chooses to take that away, if God shuts the tap off, if there's no life, if there's no breath, if there's no air, if there's no water, we die. And we are troubled. That's the thing about breathing that you don't understand. And we always talk about our last breath. We are always practicing faith. We breathe out expecting God is going to give us our next breath. But we don't know the time that comes like Mike when he breathed out but God didn't give back. The breath did not come from him. God shut the tap off. His time was up. And Mike returned to the dust of the ground from which God had created him. Yet thou sendest, the very next verse, we're in Psalm 104, 30. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. When you send your spirit, it's new creation, it's new birth, it's new life. And you renew the face of the earth. And that's what we're looking for when God sends his water, when God sends his spirit, when God gives his life. We are renewing the face of the earth. You have the spirit, John seven thirty seven. 
Nicodemus, John 3, you have the spirit being born again, but the earth doesn't have it. Go take this life and give it to the dead. Even if it's in cucumbers that you give that water that came down and you took and you weeded and you took the cucumber out and you prepared it and you gave it and they ate and they got God's life. Whatever you do, give them the life of Jesus in the Holy Ghost. Even if it's in your cucumbers, give it to them. That's what they need. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful illustration in Psalm 104 that the power of God flows down to us. And it's just like the quarterback who flea flicks us the ball and wants us to throw the pass to someone else to receive. Or the quarterback throws it to the wide receiver and he is to catch it. We have to catch the ball that you're throwing this morning. But then you want to pass that ball unto someone else and help get across the line to score the goal. Help us, even in our cucumbers, to give life to the dead that they might receive the water from on high. Scientists call it oxygen. The ancients understood it as your Holy Ghost, your spirit giving life to the dead. What happened in Genesis 2-7. Hallelujah. We thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.